0: Star, the city of smog. A haze of smoke clings to the city like a layer of rust on iron. Our camera fades in high over the streets. We can barely see the streets below through the smog, except for a few of the towers tall enough to pierce the pollution. As we drift downwards, we do see the city itself seems to come into focus. Divided in two by a large river, Immediately, we can see the imbalance of wealth between the two sides. On one half of the river, tall buildings and streetlights. On the other, smokestacks and factories churning out the smog. Our camera moves closer to the industrial side as we see hundreds of smokestacks spewing their toxins upwards. Buildings covered in large gears click and clack the rhythmic sounds filling our ears. After time, the noise fades and we barely even sense the noise pollution constantly filling our ears. The camera floats down to street level and we see our first glimpse of the people of Alkenstar. Many dressed in coveralls, covered in soot and grease, carrying tools to and from their jobs. Many wrap damp cloths or fashion masks to keep the constant haze of smoke out of their mouth. The camera pauses for a minute as a clockwork machine made out of brass cogs and sheet metal dutifully empties a trash can into its bins. Click-clack. Behind it, small children wield metal rods as swords, too young to get work in the factories, left to spill onto the streets during daylight hours. One of them pulls a small, bent piece of metal, mimicking a gun. The rest raise their hand in the air, panicked, before they all fall on the ground, laughing. As the camera pans back towards the street, we see clockwork-powered vehicles moving on the cobblestone roads. Motorcycles and carts self-powered through the winding of the gears here on the streets of Alkenstar. We follow a motorcycle for a moment through the side streets, until it turns a side corner, and we can see it opening up into a giant hub of industrial progress. Each of the dozens of factories producing some essential cog in the great machinery that is Alkenstar. Click-clack. Hundreds of people walk to and from work, each dressed in a modest grease, covered clothing from head to toe. A thin layer of smog and dirt clings to every surface in this place constantly irritating everything and consistently hiding the beauty hidden deep beneath it. Beneath the constant click-clack of progress, we find our camera settling in on an establishing shot of a small tavern here in the Ferris Quarter in the Smokeside district of Alkenstar. No words hang on the sign. Instead, we see a lamppost hanging off the front. Hanging from this post is a small sheet metal shaped barrel, rusted with time, filled with actual bullet holes. A sheet metal black powder rifle hangs beneath that. The locals call this place the Barrel and Bullet Saloon. A strange off-centered porch hangs beneath the street and the entryway, while a large loading gate to the stables is off to the side. We can hear loud voices pouring out of the front door to this place and piano music floats out. As we push our camera through the doorway into the interior, there is a dark flash and we find ourselves suddenly at night. We see a cobblestone street with rain puddled within the cracks of the stone, lightning flashes and thunder booms off in the distance somewhere the rain is coming down but we can see here facing off two figures in the moonlight the lightning flashes revealing one's face up close it's a powerfully built orcish man wearing leather chaps a vest and a shiny sheriff's badge glinting in the moonlight the camera is locked tight on his face as he exhales a plume of smoke. The camera circles round and we can see now a second man, smaller, off in the distance. From here, we can see his hand near his hip, a firearm hanging right on his side. It all happens in a flash. The man in the distance goes for his firearm, raises it, and there is another crack of thunder. There's a tense moment, and the camera pulls out a bit further, and we see the sheriff, too, has drawn his firearm. The plume of smoke spins around the sheriff's hands, and in the distance, the figure falters, wobbles, and falls to the ground. The orc walks slowly towards the figure lying on the street here in the city. His spurs jangle as he walks. Clicking against the puddles. We can see now the other figure was a dwarven man, and the shot got him right in his left eye. There's a pause as the sheriff lights another cigarette with the still burning embers off his black powder firearm. I'm sorry I had to go down this way, brother. You picked the wrong side. That I can't abide. He removes his pitch front hat, places it over his heart, and after a moment he lowers his head, and the scene goes dark. Suddenly, we hear a loud round of applause. Yay! Woo! The scene returns. Only now we can see instead of a rain soaked street, we are here inside a saloon. The orcish man, clearly in a costume, reaches down to help up the dwarven man, who smiles with his fake blood streaming from his eye. The entire saloon is hooting and hollering, and the orc and dwarf bow to the audience. The two walk towards the bar, arm in arm, ordering a a bottle of whiskey while the applause dies down. A dwarven woman, known as Phoebe Dunsmith, can be seen standing on the bar top, commanding the presence of the entire room her voice booms over the crowd. Ah, whiskey is only two silver for the next hour, and that includes Top Shelf. Come back next week for the conclusion of Hearts at High Noon and our after party. Enjoy yourself! As she leaps down from the bar, we can see a rush of patrons and the dwarven barkeep struggling to keep up with demand. The camera follows Phoebe, and people are reaching from the crowd to congratulate her on the latest show, but she has her sights set on somebody else. The crowd seems to part around her until we see a man sitting at one of the tables. She stops here, placing a glass of whiskey in front of the stranger. He looks up at her, and we hear Phoebe say, Joe's over, time to talk some business. As a camera moves to show our mysterious stranger, we see him come into focus for the first time. Our frame slows to a crawl, and a nameplate appears to show the name Reficule, the Hired Gunslinger. Richard, why don't you go ahead and take a minute and give us your best Guy Richie character introduction flashback for Reficule. Uh, make sure to describe what he looks like for the audience, and just set the scene for what your character is all about.
1: Right, so across from Phoebe, reach, the hand reaches out to grab the glass of whiskey. And you see a darker tan-skinned hand with black fingernails grab the glass and bring it up. And you see a young human male, darker tan skin with shoulder length, slightly wavy black hair, wearing a, a dirty white cowboy hat with a braided leather strap wrapped around it, wearing a left, wearing an eye patch over his left eye. And as he goes down and drinks and downs the whiskey in one gulp, and he lifts his left arm, you see his he's wearing a trench coat as well, sitting. And the trench coat opens just just a little bit. And the camera focuses down and you see a finely crafted dueling pistol on a holster on his left hip. And the camera focuses in more and more on that pistol and then on the handle. And then pulls back and it's a smaller hand now holding this pistol same skin tone same fingernails much smaller holding it up and you hear a voice is it is it really mine can I keep it that depends on uh, how you do there boy gotta make your father proud but what what has the man done doesn't matter. He's your father's enemy. He's your enemy. Either you die or he dies. You got it? That's the way it works. I I think I understand. And the camera pulls away. And we're on a finely manicured lawn in front of a large house. There's a hooded man across from a younger Reficule. Maybe no more than nine or ten holding the dueling pistol... with a... hooded man... being held... by two others... you see a rough looking man who is talking to Reficule... walk over to this hooded man... pull the hood off... draw his own gun... and throw it at the man's feet... kill the boy... or you die... I... I, I don't understand... You got your instructions. On the count of three. One, two, three. And you just hear a bang. And the scene goes back to Reficule finishing
0: his glass of whiskey. this way to open the show, Richard. <laughs> so Uh, it kind of comes back in Rufficule, and and we see now that as he drinks the whiskey, Phoebe has kind of walked past him and kind of is pushing his way through, she's pushing her way through the bar, more people congratulating, more people partying. And uh, we see a second person not sitting too far from Rufficule. Even sitting down, he is taller than Phoebe, and he looks cramped sitting at the small table. She nods at him, and as he comes into focus, we see him for the first time. Frame freezes, and we see a name plate appear on the screen. Saruk, keen eye for justice. Uh, Tommy, why don't you take us through a little bit about what Saruk looks like and introduce him to our audience with a flashback of your own?
2: Oh, I will. Before I do that, I will say that what happened in the intro is very ready to scream, Damn you, Steve, at the top of my lungs. Right, I right. Didn't think that's well, where that I, was going. I thought so. I thought so. But also damn you, Richard, for making me follow that. So (laughs) something on the order of like seven feet tall muscles on his muscles on his muscles sits an orc, the uh, leather armor, which is decorated with uh, what look like fangs, claws, even in some cases, just literal bones, a very large uh, like Sauron-esque mace hanging from his belt, those with keen eyes might notice three of the, like, flanges which come up from the mace, have little, like, off to the side, which could probably be used as something along the lines of, like, iron sights. There's a shield which has been painted green with the image of a jaguar, blah, jaguar roaring, words, up in the front of it, such that, like, if the shield had a boss, it would be in the center of their mouth. Saruk's hair is shaved, with the exception of the top, which is tied back in a bun. A beard, which is something on the order of, like, just clean enough (laughs) to be presentable in public. Uh, There's a very clear in, like, his red eyes and the lines that go around him that he hasn't been sleeping the best in recent days as the the shot goes up and is down. There's a snap back to a, a very sad apartment a dog that desperately wants to go outside and a bunch of just like random newspaper clippings uh notes which are written in orcish just kind of like sticky noted to the walls with a little bit of like rope running between them there's a lot of just pacing back and forth lots of Frantic, trying to connect the dots, but then nothing connects again. The dog continues whining and whining and whining. Everything seems to trace back to the middle, where on the wall, literally in chalk, has been written a word. The word in... uh, Orcish means demon, Uldrak. The whining continues. All right, fine. We'll go talk to your dad. Let's go. The camera then snaps back to someone who's kind of just staring off into the middle distance. Looks up at the person who has passed the shot over. Thank you, I appreciate it.
1: I oh, yeah. Rafikov will give a slight cheers with the rest of his glass and give a small smirk and finish a drink.
0: Yep. And so we kind of are. They fall in line following Phoebe and uh, moving across the bar, she kind of stops in front of them and she looks at what appears to be sort of like a wristwatch on her wrist. They should be getting here right about now. And she snaps her fingers. And as she snaps her fingers, uh, the camera does like this sort of long zoom across the bar. And we see like the front door and there's this like rushing zoom towards the front door. And as she says that, we see someone walk in, holding the front door open, and it is uh, a person clearly wearing prison clothes with a sort of coat over the top of it. Uh, The the frame freezes for just a moment, and we see the nameplate, Halbrent Beastwood, colon, plays in the Manaways, period, for fun. Period. Uh, Rick, why don't you go ahead and describe how Brent for us and treat us to a flashback? And also, big shout out to Versace Hovercraft for donating subs in the chat. Pipe train going. Anyways, not to detract from your moment, Rick, take the floor. All good. Thanks, Versace. Thanks, Steve.
3: So you see a man with gray eyes uh, in the darkness, in in a darker storm. Um, He's got thick mutton chops that are Blackish with some gray streaks in him as he's moving from shadow to shadow amidst the storm. There's a loud crack of thunder and the lightning flashes, and then he finds himself in a desert storm. Um, In the distance, he sees some dwarven men taking aim at giants to the west, and behind them is a large, almost uh, reinforced city looking almost like a fortress and then you see him pull his hat low over his eyes and take the handkerchief around his neck and put it above his nose to prevent any dust getting through and he pulls his gray and black what looks clearly like a blanket with a hole cut through that he's draped over himself moments later he's talking to a another dwarf who's got a monocle on one eye, and they're clearly building something, and the dwarf says to him, why don't you uh, go out there and fetch a... And he gives him a list of ingredients. And you see, hours later, dust covering the black blanket, his hat, his handkerchief. He's looking around. Uh, He spots a lizard real quick, and you see him scuttle after it really quick to pull it and wrap it up and put it in his pocket, and I'll save that for lunch flash forward and you see him sitting in a what looks like a studio apartment um, across from him a man walks in through the door wearing the shield marshal's gear and you you hear his spurs clang clang as he walks in and nods to Hal and Hal nods back and says well how was your shift Lyrian?" this place is a shithole well I knew that when I got here but uh, you think Angelique's got any work for me Yeah, she said go meet her at the regular place. All right. Here, let me borrow your uh, your badge. Z he heads out the door, you see the back of him fading into the dusty, smoggy streets of Alkenstar, and it flashes back to
0: current times in the tavern. We flash back, and um, we see Halbert kind of standing in the door, um, but you notice as he steps in, he actually looks like he's holding the door for someone else so he sort of steps aside and holds the door open somebody else behind him smaller walks through the door we see a much younger face also doing her best to conceal prison clothes beneath her coat the camera freezes again and a nameplate appears anita kieran ulysses mendoza if you can dream it she can build it and uh retreated now, Nina, why don't you go ahead and share maybe what Anita looks like and treat us to one of your own flashback scenes. And everybody, hydrate per Chazor.
4: Oh, Anita is an average height woman uh, with tattoos just covering all bits of her arm. Uh, She has blue hair, uh, has a monocle that's probably hidden somewhere in her pockets underneath the coat. But for this introduction, I'm going to take us for a little bit of a flashback, maybe a year or so ago. So before Bliffy, Anita would do all of her tinkering inside her room. There would be gears and chains cranking and strewn about. There's a Rube Goldberg machine at the far end of our room, just failing miserably at making coffee. Anita's on top of her bed, uh, feet up in the air because she's struggling to get a prototype of the blast boots on. And she says to no one in particular, she says, "Uh, test number 17 for the blast boots. Due to the disappointing height achieved previously, I just did the tension to the springs and decrease the attack for a quicker release. And then there's a click in the recorder. She ties the laces to make sure it's tight, and she sits up, looks at Wiper, her robot, who's sitting at the foot of her bed. And she says, all right, here we go, Wybert. This will maybe our ticket into Blippi. So she clicks her heels together, She waits for the fuses to get into the boots, and then she suddenly shoots up into the air, hitting her head into the ceiling before falling face first onto the floor with a laugh. She looks at Wybert. She just laughs while holding onto her head. Kojak, her father, walks in, all panicked. Anxious, asking what happened, he sa- She says, "Everything's okay, Dad." And then she looks behind him, and there, following just closely behind Kojak, is Mave. And then right before, and then before Maeve would maybe be Ruffy, who's eating some chalkies. And then the camera would uh, focus back on Anita, who's just smiling and laughing the whole time because finally her blast boots work.
0: Just to be clear, Ruffy is the same Rufficule that we have met earlier in the show. You see a uh, same version of him standing in that scene. Yeah, if it was a year ago, I'd probably be a bit bandaged up and... Mm-hmm.
1: Walking with a limp. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, we see, like, escorting the two of, of these, so escorting Halbrant and Anita, is an orcish tiefling woman with long horns that kind of stretch out of her forehead towards the sky as she motions and we see her pointing halbrant and anita across the scene towards phoebe who is kind of standing there waving at the two of them but uh anita's eyes looks across this, this saloon everyone going crazy after tonight's nice performance and you see Refikul and saruk standing there next to phoebe the scene is yours guys
4: are we close to them already
0: You're like across the bar you came in the front door. They're kind of towards the back of the bar a little bit And there's just a huge sort of swarm of patrons between you and him trying to get their, you know, cheaper whiskey at the bar
4: I elbow uh, Yeah, you see them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, greenie you can't miss him
3: Your boyfriend's probably over there too
4: Would you stop calling him my boyfriend? He really isn't
3: Is he your brother? You guys look nothing alike
4: Maybe. I mean, Kojak... I don't know. Who knows? He's not my boyfriend.
3: Alright. Well, let's go see what they have to say. How they've been doing.
1: Alright, let's go.
0: Yeah, so it's easy enough to push your way through the sort of crowd and, and make your way towards the two of them. And for the first time in months, because at this point you guys have both been holed up in jail for pushing three, four months now. Uh, we have like a reunion. Ah. Oh. Annie, it's good to see you. I you doing okay?
4: Him. I punch him. Perfect, <laughs> you. What? It's nice to meet you. It's nice to see you again. I take a right. seat. Mm hmm. Taruk, hi. It's been a while. It's, probably just,
2: it's good to probably see you're still in peace. I look over towards that pal and just nod once.
3: My, uh. Ah, my dog will make it to you.
2: Yeah, yeah. And she's back at Aldo's.
1: Alright. I knew I should have taught her to fetch first. Right, Whiskers, you're here too.
0: Fantastic.
4: He was with me at the prison.
0: What exactly happened? It's a little loud out here, right? And Phoebe hears you guys come. She's like, maybe we should catch up in this room and she has like a little side door that she opens and it's a little quieter private meeting room that she kind of uses for some of her business and she invites you guys in to sit in this more private spot um and she, you can see her eyes is eyebrows up a little bit as she looks at the four of you and you hear her mumbling sort of under her breath like i didn't know they knew each other uh as you all like sort of come into the room and there's like a soft click and the loud sort of patrons and tavern noise kind of drowns out, giving you guys a pretty quiet place. It's like a sort of like a round table with like six seats, and you can all sit wherever you'd like and continue the conversation. Well, You've been working on that hook I see, Annie.
4: Oh, that's all you do in prison. I got some guns now. By guns, I mean my arm.
1: Right, right. I surrender.
4: Oh, Ruffy, I'm properly upset with you. I'm gonna deal with you later, but Saruk has a question.
2: Saruk nods and the way the papers make it out, you all did I don't think either of you had it in you. I'd I'd prefer to hear it from the respective horses' mouths. Saruk sits down.
3: Hey, uh, Anita. <laughs> why don't you uh why don't you go ahead and go first? That way I can get a few proper drinks in me before I have to tell my story.
4: Right. Um I take off I mean, just the prison garb underneath my coat, this trashy coat, right? I'll take it off. I take it off, I pull down my sleeves. Um, No, um, a couple months back, someone tried to steal Wiper from me. They fucking succeeded too. I don't have Wiper with me anymore, but I just remember Ambrose. Coming into my office one day, uh, he said that he was interested in Wybert. He even offered to buy him from me. I said I refused. He asked me out for dinner for some reason, and then the next night—no, um, the next day—the dean told me that he's kicking me out. And then after he kicked me out, they took Wybert. So the next, so that night I tried to take Wybert, but I was. But I was knocked out by the people that tried to steal Y but. And then the next thing I knew I already woke up in the prison. And I'm apparently also being charged for murder.
2: That was the part that was confusing for me. No. Ambrose Muglin.
4: Mm-hmm. Who the hell is that? Ambrose Muglin.
0: Phoebe sort of leans in like to listen to this part. You just watch her like sitting there like a kid in a candy shop, just listening to this conversation on full
1: not a name you want to be hearing. That's who he is. But, I
4: meet Ruffy's eye like, real quick and give him like a meaningful look. Like, we have to talk
1: later. I just give her a, a, a small
0: nod. Uh, Phoebe at this point is, is like piping in and she's like, Actually, I brought you all here because we share common enemies. Now, I didn't know you had such a a storied background together. That's interesting. We'll have to talk about that later, but Ambrose, with your help, I can make him pay and get you rich in the process. What do you think? Does uh, does Ambrose work for or with
3: Sheila? Marshal Angelique Loveless?
0: Oh, absolutely. She's on his payroll, so to speak.
1: Two peas in a pod those two.
4: Oh, there was also a name, um, a Gimthrak, uh, the rubber's...
1: I'm into...
2: I... He's why I'm here. It's... The story is a long one. I'm not surprised he's connected. Yeah, he ordered those
4: thieves to steal my butt.
2: The story goes longer than that. No, we're not related by blood.
0: Yeah, according to my, uh, contacts, like, this Gr- Grimthrak <laughs> is uh, just some low-level enforcer that seems to work with Angelique quite a bit. So we got Muglin,
3: we got Gimthrak, and we got and
4: Angelique. this
0: Loveless. Yeah. She killed Dag. Loveless is definitely in she... Muglin's pocket. Does his dirty work all the time. You know, all in the name of the law, believe it or not. And if you see a half-elf with blue-black hair and death in her eyes, make sure you run. She's a crack shot with a bad attitude. She don't miss... Smook
2: air quotes when she says the law and looks at (laughs) Anita, a half-elf with blue-black hair. (laughs) She
0: don't miss and she don't leave witnesses.
4: You all right there, Hmm. Reficue?
0: I'm all right, Anita. (sighs) So my question to you... Tell me why you think you might deserve a job that could pay your weight in gold. Almost quite literally.
4: Apparently at the moment I'm worth 250 gold. Is that how much we're gonna get for today?
0: (laughs) No, see, for me, it's not about the payday as much as it's about making Mugglin pay.
1: Well, Miss Phoebe, I can attest somewhat, to my fellows here, but I can guarantee you—you you won't find anyone who would want to make Muglin pay more than the people in this room. Sir nods. Payday or not—is
0: that a good enough reason for you? She nods and uh, she like immediately like kind of like goes to the door and opens it and calls for someone to bring food and drinks.
4: Um, Miss. Phoebe. Ah. Uh, oh, yes? I'm, I'm not exactly sure how I could be of help in any of this. I, as much as it pains me to say this, I'm only 50%. I'm not as good as I could be without my robot. Why, but?
0: She nods. She's like, oh, right, right. Well, Maybe this will help. And you watch after she calls for the, the food and drink. She closes the door. She kind of walks towards the back of the room. And there's like this sort of part of the room where there's just like kind of cloth and tarp thrown over the corner. And she walks over there and she pulls like the tarp off. And underneath the tarp, we see a couple of things. First of all, we see Wybert standing in the corner. <gasps> someone you haven't seen for months. Good thing uh, Secondly, that killer's on our side. Secondly, you see all the gear that like Anita and, oh God, all the gear that like Anita and Halbrent had taken away from them and put in like evidence for lockup. It's all been retrieved. So like all of Hal's like blade, his pistol, everything is here and all of your tinkers, anything you had confiscated off your bodies the night of. I figured this would come in a little handy. Pull some strings to get it.
4: Oh. Well, I run to Wybird.
0: You come running to Wybird and, like, he re- reflectively, like, activates and you can hear the sort of gears that haven't been moving and oiled properly and maintained over the past few months sort of cr- cracking and click-clacking as he, like, reaches up and tries to give you a hug, like he's been programmed to.
4: Oh, Wybird! I miss you so much, buddy!
1: Ah, oh, right. I get a punch, but the robot gets a hug. You
4: know what, Funny how that
3: works. Ruffy, you know I
1: thought you were her boyfriend.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was wrong.
4: I thought we were at least mates. You know, mates visit other mates in prison, but
1: Annie, if what? I'd visit you in prison, I wouldn't have left.
2: We also had an altercation. We are wanted.
1: What? We were all set up that night.
2: Oh well
4: I mean it would have been nice to know. Did
1: Kojak not tell you?
4: Kojak I hasn't told him been... that tell you. Kojak hasn't been really right in the head lately, so he'll come in there and he asks every single time why I'm even in there. He thought he thinks I'm we're in the college.
0: So Rufficule, a couple of things like for sure, like you probably went back and tried to check in on Kojak a little bit, but the one thing you've noticed is there's essentially a shield marshal parked outside his residence basically at all times making it hard to get to him like shadowing everything he does all right I imagine
1: I could have snuck in maybe a few times yeah and, yeah I, I probably but not it's
0: not time. that easy to get through to him right
1: right so I, I probably met him like maybe like once or twice and told him to tell Annie that what happened and we're trying to figure out a way or I'm trying to figure
0: out a way to get her out yeah and and his heart was broken when the news about Anita came through so the the waitress Waiter sort of returns at that point and brings. There's like this dwarven uh, person that kind of comes in and brings a tray, and it's it's the bartender, and they put down basically a round of drinks, which they call uh, gear greasers, and <laughs> a bowl of brown bullet curry for everyone to feast on.
2: Saruk begins picking it apart to try to see what it's made of.
0: What what time is it actually? It's it's nighttime. It's it's pretty late. It's probably. After 8 o'clock p.m., uh, in that case, Refi will look at the oh, no more
1: drinks for me. You got any coffee, actually?
0: I could probably whip something up. You all right, Howard? And Phoebe's just like, Yeah, whatever, whatever our guests want. So, um, so yeah, maybe something sweet too. Cake Phoebe kind of smiles at Foss and, and says, Foss, why don't you take care? And Foss goes out to kind of retrieve all that. So, here's the game. Assuming you're all in, and uh, looks at Anita, who's the one that's kind of not committed at this point.
4: Yes, I have my robot.
0: Right. Here's the game, she says. Hobbit. Ombrost Muglin has a decent portion of his funds invested in an old bank called the Gold Tank Reserve. Now, it's in a rundown temple of Abadar, out in the old iron-sized quarter. You know, the place that's mostly used by ranchers and crooked politicians to hide their going-ons. Mm-hmm. I happen to know they've sent half their clockwork handlers out for maintenance tonight, and won't have them back until tomorrow afternoon. She stops and drinks a bit of that, like, gear greaser and it even, even her can barely, like, withstand the, like, power of it. This is our chance to hit Muglin where it hurts. His pocketbook. She stops to kind of suss all of you out, right? All you have to do is bust up a few of the clockworks remaining, get the vault key from the bank manager, and fill a sack with gold. Once you're done in the bank, run out the back. Now Muglin's got a few crooked shield marshals on his payroll, including that damn bastard Deputy Loveless. She and her goons are sure to be hot on your tail, but don't fight them. They'll gun you down in a second if you give them the chance. Just run away and they'll look like fools. Nothing's sure to fry the deputy's eggs like crooks she can't catch. And from the sounds of it, you already fit the bill. You can lose them in the old whaling whaling scrapyard, just west of the reserve. There's a sewer entrance from within. From there, it's a straight shot back to this saloon, where you'll be safe. She finishes the last of the drink. Any questions?
4: The bank manager would be there tonight?
0: Uh, well, no. They're, they're, they've are they're closed up shops for the night, but I figure... You have to hit them by opening tomorrow, like before early afternoon when the clock was through. Arrive, so presuming you have the skills and talents you could hit it tonight? Or are we just <laughs> wait until the morning and do the old smash and grab plan. A, really.
2: Saruk nods that hit it tonight.
0: The plan is up to you. You have about twelve hours from now to finish the job. After that the clockworks return.
4: Tonight might be a good there'll be less collateral damage if we do it tonight. And that's likelihood for us to die, yeah.
0: Now, okay. don't worry. When it comes to Muglin's business, there's no such thing as innocence or collateral damage. That being said,
1: uh. I've been trying to tell him, Pheebs. I've been trying to tell him.
0: Best not to go killing anyone or taking hostages. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't mind him taking some of his investors down a notch or two as well, but, uh. I can't abide working with a crew of marauders as wicked as the devil himself. And she smiles and raises one eyebrow as she locks eyes with reficule and takes a drink.
2: So, this seems like a good moment to have done this. I wanted to do this at some point. Uh, that man sitting across the table from me is currently the subject of a lead. I would like to perception him. Can I roll that now?
0: It's sort of what, like a sense motive? Is it you're trying to like.
2: I am, how- because <laughs> owing to the events of mechanically is the wrong word but mechanically last session and the last time i saw this person he and i went to a place and there was a a thing there for more information go watch the prequels (laughs) and i would yeah i've had several months to stew on this and i think it all comes back to it's very clearly they were trying to make this weird chimeric effigy of the pair of us, and there are a lot of bits and bobs and information missing. So I'm, yeah. I am shooting a perception check over Refi's deception DC.
0: You're sussing Refi
2: specifically
0: out, not just the leads. Okay. Yep. Exactly. And so, like he
2: is literally the lead, the person is the target.
0: Refi, what's your what's your uh, deception DC? It's uh,
1: 10 plus my modifier, correct? Yes, that is yeah. correct. That'd be a 16.
0: All right. All right. So Rook, you're trying to be a 16. You got two hero points. We can blow the first hero I point do. on the first roll. I'm yeah. probably
2: going to blow the first hero point. We'll see what I roll. Let's go. Uh, I'm going gonna, to gonna use the hero point. We okay. are catching yeah. the hero point. First roll of the campaign. Thanks, Dang.
0: Drake. Appreciate you. Yep, this one's <laughs> brought to you by Drake. Go ahead and roll that.
2: Reroll that. As, use way the way pro- the point. Point.
1: As the prophecy is foretold.
2: God, right. Did so well in the prequels. That was just, come on. Come on! Oh, there we go.
0: Okay, 22. That definitely beats Reficule's Deception DC. And this isn't the first time that, like, kind of the, the talk of devils and demons and things like that. And it, it starts piecing together in in Saruk's mind, like, why was Reficule invited for that job that night? Why was he there, Oldrak, that sort of demon?
1: What? Can I... Can I... What are you trying to perceive?
2: In a a mechanical sense, I am rolling over if you are uh, hiding something under anything you're wearing other than, like, guns and things. Like, what is the significance of the eye patch? Are you actually missing an eye? Why, like, the way your hat sits, is there anything, like, hidden under there? Anything like that? Yeah. It's probably specifically anything demonic. Could I describe that, Steve? Yeah, let's go ahead and let
0: Richard describe that. It's your character.
1: All right. Given that high roll, you'd probably <clears throat> Saruk. After looking at Refi a bit longer and watching him over a few minutes, you notice he tends to fuss with the eye patch a little bit, and it, like he's not quite used to it. And when and you remember him smirking at you, and that memory is in your head, and you could see the the muscles of his cheek and his forehead of the left eye contract. Almost like he was winking, but it was would have been with the left eye under the eye patch. Uh, The hat, while it fits snugly and doesn't move, you can see around the sides it's actually a little. There's a bit of a gap. It doesn't quite touch the sides of his head, and when he talks, doesn't quite open his mouth up fully. Definitely hiding something. Tends to keep his lips closed, and yes, I'm definitely hiding something.
2: Which I will not make a scene of now. Please continue, Steve. <laughs> okay.
0: But like this is uh, you finally start like the pieces start connecting in your head a little bit. But yeah, you know, she doesn't want to work with devils and mar- Marauders. Was wicked as the devil themselves. She's not looking for people to go in there executing. But take it, take it from me. There, there's no innocence in that place. The only people that use it are people laundering money, looking to to. Clean a bit of their ill-gotten gains through a bank. Loveless provides a service. He takes his cut, of course.
1: Fair enough, fair enough, Miss Phoebe's, But, uh, sometimes to kill a devil, you need a demon.
2: Anita rolls her eyes. Mr. just kind of stares. It is obvious that he picked that up, but he doesn't say anything. But you don't want us to fight Loveless.
0: Oh. Uh, this is step one, darling. Let's first prove that I can trust you. Finish this job. We'll get to the next. I
2: hope. We need to hit the capitalists and their capital before we can hit them and their lackeys. No, that sounds great.
0: Oh, uh, that's it. I mean, usually when I put these crews together, they have like a million questions for me. But you guys, you're professionals.
4: No, I do. I I do actually. Um,
0: oh, I was surprised s- that you didn't
4: uh-, <laughs> <laughs> mm, uh, for the, uh for the bank would you have any idea as to where like the most efficient entrance f- would be like for us to break into I mean I'm, I'm assuming there'd be back entrances that'd be great right
0: well there was definitely a front door I reckon that would be the yeah. easiest way to get in during operating hours if yeah. you're interested in getting in after hours
4: tonight, yeah.
0: Tonight. Oh, you waste no time. Uh Yeah, I mean, if you can get a key from the staff member, you could definitely get in the back. There there's an old employees entrance in the alley that connects the bank to the junkyard. Uh I thought that's how you make your escape, but perhaps you could make your entrance there as well.
4: Well, I also have a question. The clockwork employees that are guarding them, are they only gone for tonight, or are they usually gone every
0: night? Well, usually there's about a half a dozen of these things patrolling around the clock. Uh, Tonight, most of them are out of commission. There's only... Mm. Well, I'm not sure quite how many, but majority or i know at least four are in for repair right now ballkirk model c C4- 4 <laughs> ballkirk model c 47s c 47s yeah get there tomorrow before they're you know before tomorrow afternoon before they're returned and this will otherwise this gets a whole lot harder but uh if you're curious you could just mosey on over and take a look
4: i mean though. I'm planning on doing that too. But, I mean, it'd be nice to have a bit of change of clothes. How Brent and I are still in our prison garbs.
3: I'm good. All right. Are you going to drink that?
4: Oh No, I don't drink.
3: All right, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Yeah,
4: You're drinking too yeah. much of that out,
3: Brent. I've been stuck in that place for four months. I mean, I got my soggy si- You want a cigarette, reficule? They've
0: been sitting in my oh,
3: sure, jacket.
1: Sure. All right, there you go. If you're off in Whiskers.
0: Yeah, because, like, your old clothes with all the stuff would still be in it. So, like, your old clothes and your old prison clothes are here in the room with you. Because it would have been checked in at the the prison for yep. you to inhale. Uh, you
4: know so, what, though? Oh, go ahead, Halpern. Here we
0: go. No, please.
3: I'm enjoying my nap. Go right
4: ahead. <laughs> I, no, I was just trying to see if I could remember anything about the C-47s. If I you want to say something.
0: Uh, if you would be interested, you could make a crafting check and we can see maybe what you know about these things.
2: Yeah, I feel like or Saruk is probably thinking knowledge. about those
0: too. Right? Is uh, grows, Saruk sir. trained yep. in crafting? I'm
2: yes. tired. Nice! <laughs> I would like to also... <laughs> that's, 10 from... that's, a, that's a 10, 10 for
0: from... me. You haven't read any of the trade publications in four months, Anita. You're
2: behind. <laughs> <laughs> You're just so out. <laughs> I guess now that the man's across the table from me is no longer one of my leads, I would like to switch my second lead from that to the bank job. Okay. If that's a nebulous enough. Sure. Does this qualify?
0: Uh, yes, it does. But like, I uh, for Nina, you, you, if you're rolling like a sort of recall knowledge check, that's the name of the show. You're supposed to do it secret. Oh. So for oh. uh, Tommy, go ahead and make it a secret roll.
2: And I do that by saying blind GM roll in Foundry, right?
0: That is correct.
2: Hockey, dokie question mark. Question mark? That everyone can see if they look on the stream. I won't look at Twitch. So
0: what is it that Sarug is trying to suss out? Like, what sort of information are you looking to get? Offensive capabilities, defensive capabilities, any general knowledge?
2: I I will leave that up to you in terms of in terms of what is the most dangerous about them are they very offensive models very defensive models and then from there
0: okay they are a fairly offensive model um the the interesting thing about this model is they are equipped with a siren that is very loud deafening loud so if they like see you they can sort of make a siren's call but also the the modification on the the B-47s, is that they have a sort of spool of rope kind of coiled in their chest capacity. They can actually hogtie you and like leave you while the siren waits for the police.
2: And those are the ones that are not going to be at the bank and why we are going there now. Well, right? They're
0: still at the bank, it's just less of them. Uh, uh, she expects less of them to be at the bank. There's four out for repair, the majority of what she believes is there. So, if you strike now... There's less of a chance of drawing attention.
2: If we hit them now, there's less sirens. There's less of us tied up on the ground while the shield marshals come to execute us.
0: Yeah, you have, a, you have a deadline of 12 hours to finish this job, right? From this moment, in 12 hours, the rest will be returned, and then this becomes a whole lot harder. But how you guys spend that 12 hours and how you prepare and when you go, that is entirely up to you guys.
3: We should do that tonight. As soon as possible. Take a look around, see what we see, do a perimeter. hmm see what's set up, see what easy entryways are in, easy entryways are out, uh, yeah. see what shadows are available, and, uh, you know,
2: maybe I can Get the key. take a look around. Alternatively, and then I, I turn and look at the the person who is, like, talking to us, whose name I definitely remember. Do you perhaps have a set of thieves tools I could borrow?
0: Do you have a set of what? Sorry. Uh, thieves tools. Uh, To borrow, I'm sure I could s- sell you a kit if you're interested. I could front you a kit, and you can pay me back out of your cut. Sir nods.
1: I'd take that deal as well.
0: Yeah, if you guys both want it, she will procure you guys each a set of thieves tools and just, you know, take it out of your cut of the job.
1: But, uh, I know you all want to hit this tonight, but, um, the man with the key will be there in the morning, yeah?
2: Mm-hmm. The man with the key is now sitting across the table from you.
1: I'm uh, in more of a guaranteed key, Tusks.
2: Just squints and glares. I can get it open.
3: I mean hell, I'm sure you can have that robot just
2: saw half the door apart and we can get me in there and split. Alternatively we can open it with the giant buzz saw sitting next to me, yes.
1: Right.
0: Well the good news is this this bank is in a quite abandoned part of the old Ironside area which normally is kind of quarantined and off limits uh, there's been some effort to sort of reclaim it and turn it into something again but for now it's, it's pretty empty so you're not likely to encounter the neighbors calling the shared marshals if you make too much noise that is
2: mm-hmm. and less humanoids there now mean less witnesses should things go sideways yeah I agree I think we should take it at night we should do that
0: so you know. In the better. absolute
2: worst case, the window is twelve hours. If we can't get it in one, we could come back.
0: I'll say one last thing. Uh, Phoebe's like, "Well, you didn't ask, but how about we call this? How about we call your cut ten percent each? Ten for each of you, and the rest for me."
2: Sir just nods.
0: Perfect. You're gonna need a little help. This is the first job. We successfully get through this job. You got other jobs that lead us to Lovelace, right? If that's what you're looking for, for proper revenge, this is just hitting them where it hurts their pocketbooks. Angelique, where do you think most of her payroll comes from? We hit this bank, we take their cash. Muglin's got no way to pay
1: her. I will say that Muglin does love his money more than anything in this world.
0: He reaches sort of in her uh, little side satchel she has, and she pulls out like a little nondescript bag and tosses it onto the table for one of you guys to take. She says, when you find the the sort of vault, the lockbox, go ahead and toss it in here. Which is weird as you look at it, because Anita, you literally peer in and look at it, right? Um, it doesn't look that big. It doesn't look like it would hold a lockbox. Like- a
4: a lockbox? I thought we were just going to grab some money.
0: Well, which
2: they is presumably in a lockbox. They oh,
0: keep okay. it in a. They keep it in the bank, which is locked in a vault, which then is locked in a safety box within that vault. So rather all than right. try to open the vault, I mean, if you can open the the vault, by all means, have at it. But as a backup plan, you can bring it back here, and I have contacts who can take care of such things. The safety all box, right. not the vault, right?
1: Be a bit hard to bring the whole vault over.
0: The whole vault might be challenging. But yeah, uh, I'm going to give you an item, Anita. Since since in the RP you took it and looked into it, you get it. Um, you actually get a bag a bag of holding.
4: Woo! Got a bag of holding.
0: So she does say now. Now you know in Alkenstar the the magic can be a little funky. According to the broadsheets, we should be in the clear for magic over the next day or two, but. Just be careful when you put it in there and take it out. It might not go as smooth as you think. Only use it in extreme emergencies.
4: That's not foreboding at
0: all. <laughs> I mean, worst comes to worst, we can just put it in his helmet.
4: What? Why, but?
0: Yeah, why not? Um, she also has another thing. She, she goes in here and she, she pulls... Or she, she basically pulls four hats, like almost like cowboy-looking hats, and she tosses one to each of you. And she says, uh... They already have hats. No, 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 no. These hats, they'll help you... Keep, they'll keep your identity secret. Don't muss them up. I'll be wanting them back when you're done. Um, and she tosses to each one of you, and I'll add it to your tokens, a, uh... Hat of disguise, shaped like a cowboy
2: hat.
3: Alright, done. Uh, so... What, what's Like, what's the magic word?
0: Um, and with that, with giving you that, she says, I'll leave you to it. And she go ahead and excuses herself from the room so that you guys can plan your heist and do whatever you want. But we are in this sort of heist planning phase. So you do have a 12-hour time limit. It's not really a time limit. It's just that 12 hours, right? The difficulty jumps up significantly. But there are sort of, I guess, casing the joint-type activities you guys could get up to. Or you could just head over there blind, right? So... You guys kind of tell me most of these activities, like the pre-prep stuff, is kind of done in two-hour increments.
1: Before we before we leave the saloon, Refi goes to the outhouse, okay, and changes hats.
0: Yeah, there actually is a uh, it's a fully functional bathroom with working plumbing here in the Bullet Barrel and Bullet Saloon.
1: Excuse me for a second. I gotta drain the snake.
0: And you, sw- and what do you do with the hat? I, I switch the hats. Got it. In the the bathroom. Got it. We have a sort of running clock right now that says like 12 hours until like the clockworks return. And it's already counting down. It's like 1159 and ticking down. And then there's like a sort of subtitles at this point that sort of appears on the screen. And it says chapter one, reach for the sky. And we're beginning chapter one of our story. So, players, we have a, a 12 hour clock. The story, the adventure... It's yours. You tell me what happens.
4: I'm sorry I punched you. Ruffy.
0: I mean...
1: I, I figured I deserved it for something. But, uh...
4: I mean, honestly, it's just the visiting part. Because, like, even though Kojak was in there, he wasn't really in there. And... You know... Maeve maybe went in once, but... With her. It's like you know how she works all the time. So I really, all I really had was Halbrand. I mean, no offense, Halbrand. I mean, you were very, Refi. very lovely. It's
3: Refi- Let me tell you what. Your girlfriend here. I was a good, She told me I was a good listener. So, uh, it would have been nice if you had come and, like, like decremented her word quota, because. <laughs>
1: I understand, you know.
4: As I talk a lot, okay. I don't show. You, you said this level.
1: Yeah. Right, Whiskers, for a good listener, if you don't really listen too well. We're not together.
4: Oh. Huh? Oh, well, I right. know. Speaking of together, it's so. Uh, what happened in those four months? You two are in the same room together. Last time we did this. You're Both of you were kind of at each other's throats.
2: Huh.
1: I mean, got called for a job. Was told that I uh, might be able to hurt someone that we'd be interested in hurting, so... Jobs are jobs, right, Tusks?
2: Allies of convenience for the moment. I don't think I can pull this off on my own, so long as we don't... I just kind of, like, is... <laughs> I'm so bad with NPC names. She's not in the room currently. Phoebe, Phoebe not in the room.
0: Right now, she's, she's kind of excused herself. She gave you guys the stuff she needed to. She gave you the spiel. She's gone back to, like, presumably out in the crowd where everyone is and just left you four and wybert here alone in the room. It's okay. So Rook is smart enough to remember everyone's name.
2: So is (laughs) Q So long as we aren't killing people who don't need to be killed, it'll be fine. All of us have a collective chip on our shoulder for a conglomeration of individuals. The four of us together are stronger than any of us alone. Perhaps in the doing, we set something right for this city at large. And then... At least as far as I go, I go home. Refucue. Nice.
3: Yes, Whiskers. Didn't mean to offend you, here. Have another smoke. And uh regardless of what Greeny here says, I think you should do what you do best. And I'll do my best to put you in those positions. Because I thought you killed my roommate. But after what Angelique did to my friend Dag, I mean, she literally shot his head and it blew up five feet from me. I mean, can you see that red there? I mean, that's brain matter from an innocent man who just got his pension. Well, just retired from whatever it was he was doing.
1: That's how the law works in Alkenstar. That's how your friend Miss Loveless works and I don't even know who your roommate is why would I kill him it's
3: not important what is important is you keep killing who you keep killing like you said you kill those people who need killed and that's a cause I can get behind particularly if it involves Angelique
2: I think a line exists between corrupted, Saruk again, air quotes, police, and what, someone who's trying to make a little bit of money and gets caught in the middle. There's just a, like, Saruk lets it hang.
1: I don't enjoy killing. I don't dislike it either. I don't feel much about it either way. I do what needs to be done in the moment to survive, to get by. That's how it works here in star There are no innocents.
2: Your sociopathic nature aside, if someone is down and they aren't moving and you kill them, I will stop you. Do we understand each other?
1: You do, you Sol, do me.
2: I've got a question you for defend. you,
4: though. Mm. No, I just wanted to defend you, Refi. I mean, so far, I haven't seen you really kill an innocent person just... I've never seen you do that. Usually it's either we're threatened, you're threatened, I'm threatened. I mean, that's when it pops up.
0: I appreciate that. Personally, this is where I think there's a flashback to like two unconscious people at the floor of the (laughs) tavern and a refiqio going, Anita, should I kill him? And Anita's saying, yeah, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) For information, go watch the
2: damn (laughs) prologue. It was very good. (laughs)
1: I appreciate it, Annie, but, uh, I don't need defending, and I'm not defending myself. I know. I just wanted to clear some things up. I don't pretend to be a good person. I don't believe there are good people. I believe there are some actually bad people. But most people are just people, and when push comes to shove, they'll do what needs to be done to survive.
2: Saruk just, in the most patronizing way possible, shakes his head your direction.
1: Now I've got a question for you, Tuss. You've got personal stakes in this, yes? Correct. So what is it really driving you? Those personal stakes? Or do you actually want to better this city?
2: Bettering this city is a a side effect. I'm here to bring someone back home who did something that to my people cannot be forgiven. In so doing, if I happen to clean something up while I'm here, Sir just shrugs. I
1: think that's all well and good, and that's what might happen in a civilized, fair world that you come from. But what happens if it comes down to getting that personal stake, or bettering the city? Which do you choose?
2: A question to ask when we get there based on several variables that we could spend hours debating in this moment. But generally speaking, I will go for the third option. Because a third and generally fourth, fifth, sixth, and so on exist. The world is not so black and white.
1: Fair enough. I usually just like to say we'll burn that bridge when we get to it.
2: That is just kind of like a stop-half-smile nod for once we agree.
3: You ever heard the term, an eye for an eye? Not now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Angelique's going to get what's coming to her. And I think what Greeny here is saying to you, Reficule, is don't miss on the first shot. You won't have to worry about downing nobody. I'm sure you can handle that because I'm going to put you in the best possible position where you do not miss.
2: And I'm not concerned if this Angelique catches a bullet and then catches a one-way ticket to Farasma. That's fine. I draw the line at someone who really is not any different from the four of us who is opposing us because they need the money to survive. And then they are not fighting us anymore. I get the sense if we hit someone and they go down, whether or not they're still breathing, when they get back up, they'll think, hmm. I was just struck by a bunch of smooth criminals. Maybe I shouldn't fuck with them again, and then they will go away.
4: That's very hopeful of you, you say.
2: And if they show back up, we repeat the process. Hey, uh, Anita, pardon me.
3: Is that alright with you? Is that okay? Anita? You?
4: Yeah. I mean, Annie, are you sure you're not confusing me with your dog?
3: My dog's named Sil.
4: You never I, said you did. <laughs> During those four months in the prison, you did. I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs>
3: That's all. No, don't you worry. Sure about you're not
0: it. Kojak at this point. You're trying to
3: forget yeah. that inside of that place can uh, make you think of all kind of things. And you know, I see in color. But when we sat around here with Phoebe and she talked about the ties between Loveless and Mugland and. Your friend that you're chasing, Siruk, it's, uh, I mean, we just see red. Normally I just see in black and white, but I mean, we, I'm not sure we need to wait until tomorrow to go lay some whoop-ass on them people, regardless of who they might be inside that bank.
2: Indeed.
4: No, I agree. While you got, while you all were talking, I was actually writing down a little bit of a plan. So if you don't mind, I'm going to propose this plan a little bit. So... Who here could scout? Maybe... I know, Halbrent, you... Yeah, you mentioned that before. So, we could travel over. There's two things to scout. We could... S- maybe... I don't know if you want to split up. But she did mention the getaway.
3: Now I just want to be sure. Yeah. That when I, when I go to scout, your robot... Robot, what do you call it? Will not kill me. So, just make sure... <laughs>
4: You know, you got to give Wybert a chance.
3: Yeah, Sorry, I mean, unless...
4: or anything. <laughs>
3: well, just make sure you got him on a leash. You have your dog on a leash.
4: You do not call Wybert a dog. But anyway, if you can scout. There's two things that we can scout. The bank and the getaway. So, the getaway is located at the Wailing Scrapyard. Is anyone here familiar with the scrapyard?
0: That's an interesting point. Uh, does anyone have any. So, so it's, 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 this is a part of the city that is traditionally off limits, traditionally not civilized, right? So, if you have some sort of lore that might apply in this
2: situation.
1: You um, said that criminals and crooked politicians use it as a hideaway,
2: correct?
0: Yeah, as everyone
2: in the party reaches for their underworld lore. Yep. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, you know what? I think you're right. I think there might be some bit of underworld lore that could apply here.
1: So we should use a recall knowledge check using underworld lore,
2: correct?
0: As a, as a secret check, that is correct.
2: As a secret check, hacha. Yeah. We <laughs> both got question marks. Wow, we did so well together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. What you guys know, you both know this, which isn't much, but you do know that the Wailing Scrapyard is—it's a place where there there's actually a group of uh, goblins that are known as the Nail Gobblers, and they—they kind of have made this junkyard into their home, and they might acquire things through less legal means. But it is a salvage yard. It is sort of this outworldly rundown place where not a lot of people go. So whether it's actually legal or not, the stuff that they find and scavenge and resell, it's a little questionable. But most people look the wrong, the, the other way at least on it. It's not really enforced. These nail gobblers are good at finding obscure pieces of, you know, old equipment that maybe you might need to get your hands on. Uh, but the scrapyard itself is just a large junkyard. That nobody really wants to go to.
2: So we leave Syl behind on this one. The scrapyard is... I don't remember the name of the goblin tribe. Sarug snaps his fingers a bunch.
1: Male no gobblers.
2: Mm-hmm. My goblin yeah. is a little rusty, but I'm pretty sure I can...
0: So that's like what you guys at least know off of this part. But one of your sort of activities you could do during this time would be to go around and perhaps talk to people and ask people and see what they know and, and learn what other people might know besides you and sort of do a gather information check about the graveyard or sorry, the scrapyard,
2: the graveyard, the foreshadowing.
0: <laughs> right. Uh That, so, so this is the sort of activity that, you know, right. If you're going to go around and start asking people about it, that might still be up. The time's short sh- shutting on that because it's middle of the night, right? We've only got a few hours, probably the first four hours before the whole city's kind of turned in for the night. So if you're going to, gather information you have only a few hours to do it
2: makes sense out of character i feel like that would take a very long time and i think the four of us have enough skill sets the four of us to get specifically information unless somebody's like yeah no let's go talk to everyone about the nail biters
0: so just to be clear in a mechanical sense it's kind of simplifies all these scouting activities it's going to take two hours per activity so doing that would take two hours going and scouting the place out would take two hours. Any of these sort of activities you can think of is going to eat into two hours of your time, and you can either group up, split up, and spend that time however you want leading up to the heist.
1: I think the less people that might have the Ironside quarters and the scrapyard in their minds when this heist happens, the better. Indeed.
3: I agree with Reficule. Man, I've had a few,
1: too many of these things. Uh, maybe we do it in the morning Shit. don't know how you drink those after 8 pm as I'm downing another like my fourth cup of coffee <laughs> I mean
4: we could maybe ask Phoebe if it would be easy to sh- to look for the entrance oh wait, she said that it's from here. What if we just go from here get out uh, get out onto the whaling scrapyard and then go use to the, the bank from there
1: use the getaway as an entryway and then a getaway again yeah, I mean
4: at least we'd be familiar on where it would be it wouldn't be like because I'm assuming from what you all said that the scrapyard is huge so if we just go west west is still a huge quadrant of the entire thing so we just if we're on a getaway and we're being chased I don't think we'd be under a situation
1: we get burned coming out of the entryway that's no longer a getaway
2: that seems to be a bridge to burn when we get there but why be-
4: isn't it a secret, though? I mean, I'm assuming that the reason why she's, she even brought it up is because it's- we're under the assumption that it's safe.
2: We're under the assumption that the back door the employees use is safer than going into the front door of a bank with the intention to rob it. Unless I miss but- something.
0: The, the, the key part you guys seem to be missing a little bit is that the within the whaling scrapyard is a entrance to the sewer and her belief is you can then use the sewers to navigate your way back home undetected right like Got it. getting oh, okay. you'd be able so to kind of tunnel directly oh no you go into the Not sewers bad. and then and then you guys <laughs> find your way through the sewers back into the city proper come up with the loot and then return here
2: mm. so
0: the reverse is possible but it's going to eat into your time figuring out the route through right. the, yeah. the, the sewers, right?
2: Never mind what I said. So I feel like we just go there. We find a plan of action. We take it. I. We seem to be getting far afield. You had notes, Anita? Yeah.
4: Yes, I mean, so far, it's really just the whaling scrapyard. I'm not sure. Did you share, out of character, did you share the information that you got from your recall knowledge on the bulwarks? The cop? the cop, the cop bots, Robocops? Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay. All right. So, yes, th- that should be everything. The iron side, the bank, the key. Are you confident that you could open that vault, that vault without the key, with just your thieves'
2: tools? So, if not, this we time. go to plan B.
3: Al puts the hat on his shoulder, and he turns into a need and says... Are you confident that you can do that?
2: I grab the hat. Win? I also become a leader. I am confident that <laughs> I can do that. I'm a very learned woman. And then Saruk realizes he's ran because I assume that went through somewhere. Local student student loans due went to jail. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I so you, as dude. you activate
0: the Hat of Disguise, Hal and Saruk, please roll a d20 for me.
2: Oh, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hate it. I hate everything. Hacha.
1: I hope it's just literally just Hal and Saruk standing there, sitting there normally.
4: (laughs) 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 Like saying they're doing the actions.
0: So there's a natural one I was hoping for. So you you activate it and you try to turn into Anita. Uh, Mm -hmm. As you do, there's almost like a shower of sparks that wrap around your head. I'm going to roll on this table real quick to see what happens. But in that moment when it happens... Uh, you don't end up looking like Anita. You end up looking like this half like like you got like Ani- Anita's eye over here and like part of your <laughs> mouth over here. It's like this weird amalgamation amalgam oh my god, amalgamation. I can't amalgamation of Anita and Halbrant together. Um can you also at this point roll another D twenty for me?
2: Oh uh, yes. <laughs> Disguising yourself as a strange flesh warp combining This Anita is a wellspring
0: surge. Oh Eighteen. Uh, So you, as this happens, there's like the magic malfunctions here, and there's a a wave of emotional turmoil that shoots out of your hat that that pulses through the the room. Um, Everyone, (laughs) everyone is sort of sit with everyone in the room. Oh no, I guess in this case it's only it's only Hal. Hal, uh, you have one minute of emotional turmoil where you become like manic-depressant <laughs> to the max.
3: Oh no! Uh, why are you,
0: Why are you are impersonating Anita?
3: I swear, um, I asked her for the magic word. Like, I'm not sure really what, what happens.
0: Mechanically, if we were like in combat, you do a DC flat check at the start of your turn and you either become manic or depressant. You what either are you have like, like that for. Bonuses on everything or like penalties ah!
2: on everything.
4: <laughs> look at your face. Look at your face.
2: Why do you look like you want to punch Refy? I know I'm old, <laughs> like
3: twice your age, most of
1: y'all. So
2: No, you like, tried. I think it's a bit of an improvement there, Whiskers. Do you need another drink or maybe less drinks?
3: I mean another drink would probably like probably be good right about now.
2: Do you want to go catch your dog? You look a little sad.
3: If you take off the hat, would it
4: go away? Would it go away? No, if you you take it off.
3: I got a bald spot right there.
4: I'm not going to look at it, but I mean, like, if you take it off, would the magic go away as well? Or do you think it's just going to stay there?
2: Are you stuck that way forever?
0: Okay, so because Foundry is so awesome, I can just pull in the Wellspring search table as a macro, so I have it ready to go for future. We just click the button, and get the- The, <laughs> the table is turning into plants! I hate this city! Do
4: you want a hug? Do you <laughs> want a hug now,
3: friend? No. You're, uh, you're not mine.
4: I mean, why does it have to be rom- ro- why, why? Why does it have to be romantic? Also, why do people keep bringing that up?
2: I'm sorry, I was kidding. It seemed, the levity seemed important, looking at the, the
4: oh.
2: I digress.
3: After a minute, Hal's like, what the hell is happening with this hat? Now? Like yeah,
0: It takes uh, a minute, and then finally the, the emotional surge passes. You go back to being whatever Hal normally is. The All right. Well, I, what I tried to
3: uh, present was, hey, we can look like some of these people who are walking around the place. And mm-hmm. we have the like the supervisor's key and we can get in there, or we can say, oh, go about your business, and like the person, either you or you, can come around and like unlock it, or we can have the robot cut it down Mm -hmm. or something.
2: We're just the maintenance team and we had to bring in our robot, exactly.
4: Oh yeah, we're the maintenance team.
0: I would say it's it's interesting to, to know here that you could theoretically spend some of this time before people go to sleep and actually find someone that works there so you know what they look like, and like then you could think have something to disguise as, right? You know what? I think, um,
3: I think I'm getting pretty, like, into my cups. Uh, maybe we should just like get some fresh. Well, we should get some air. Maybe it's a little dirty. Um, but we should get some, get ourselves out into the open air and kind of just have a conversation as we walk down to the junkyard and the bank and just walk around and have a look.
1: Yeah. Alright, should we uh test out these hats again? Uh
3: can I can I can I like switch to you, Rafiqul?
1: I think this one fits me a little better. I think I'll keep it. What
3: about you, Saruk? I don't know if this one like have the right complexion for this
0: hat. You like smack it a few times and it finally like Anita comes into focus.
2: Uh-huh. I'm not sure if complexion is the right word, but if you would like to trade can. I'm not sure it would be any kind of helpful. it would just make me feel better. There, and then we switch. Okay.
0: But what is, like, are you all going as a group, all four of you guys together? Are you splitting into smaller teams?
2: Together? Yeah, I don't think we have mm-hmm. a great reason to split up, given that half of us are not wanted, yet, yeah. and the other half got out under suspicious circumstances.
0: <laughs> so we're walking and talking across Alcantar, right? You guys have your disguises. What it? You know, what do you guys disguise as in this moment?
4: I would disguise as one of the grandmas that went into Kojak's clinic one time. Okay. But just with a chipper step because I'm young. I just body of a 27 year old, but the face of a grandma.
0: Got it. So like, it, it, you know, if you disguise as a similar creature, you get a plus bonus. It doesn't change your voice or anything, it's just your look, right? So you still gotta be careful about mm-hmm. talking around people.
1: Mm-hmm. So, refcule you see change into a half-elf with short uh, brown hair, lighter but still tan skin, green eyes, and a, a large scar down his right eye. And... Characters wouldn't recognize this person at all, but uh, the viewers would recognize this as the hooded figure from Raffaella's memory on the flashback that we saw in the flashback.
0: Nice callback. Have any fun ideas? I don't think going disguised as a is probably the best plan for Albert
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, prob- Hal would probably change it to one of the. Uh, he, he thinks back and sees that couple that were walking by when we were outside the temple. Um, and he probably change into the, the young man who was there. And, all right, Feel Phil, uh, feel mighty proper. Um, also
2: a good callback. Call I, I, out of character, want to disguise myself as Hagos to get him in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> For more information, watch the prequels.
4: I think. Watch the prequels.
2: <laughs> I feel like Saruks disguise is just like a slightly shorter, slightly scrawnier, like, human version of himself in your basic, like, whatever passes for normal, like, average working Joe street clothes in this part of the world. I imagine something like a like a white button-up shirt with the sleeves rolled up and, like, suspenders and some kind of, like, mm-hmm. jeans if they exist, that kind of thing.
1: I would also like to think that he still makes it a little bit too fancy and too clean. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. I'm one of the
0: poor people now. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. So we can do the walk and talk, you know, across the Star. Um Do we have Ooh. a destination we're going towards? I think we'd be heading uh, towards uh, the iron side. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, so are we, are we going to, like, the scrapyard or are we going to the... Uh, I guess the scrapyard and the bank are right next to each other, right?
1: Yeah, I yeah. think we're just going to the we're first. I say we... Head to the scra- scrap scrapyard.
0: I lost caravan RPG, thanks for the raid. Sorry to step on you there, Richard. Good.
1: Yes. But uh if we're heading to the scrapyard, at least we have a reason to go there. Say that we want to maybe procure some items from the the nail gobblers. Right. But if we get stopped.
2: Mm -hmm. In that case, in that case, in that case, Saruk on the way, probably from where we are when we leave, is going to drop two silver worth of, like, as much shitty junk food as he could possibly get. Actually, no, I'm going to drop four silver. I'm going to drop all of my silver pieces on just garbage bar food. Okay,
0: uh... (laughs) You go to, like, drop on garbage bar, bar food, and much to your surprise, the, f- the sort of food in this bar is actually pretty top shelf. There's It's hard for her to get, like, non-quality, really junky bar food here. Like, you get way better food for your money than you would expect in a place like this. Hmm. It's cheap. Fair enough. If you want the, the sort of junkiest food, I can tell you what you find.
2: Yeah, and like quantity is important here.
0: Quantity over quality. Mm-hmm. Got it. I'll go ahead and look that up. Like if you wanted junk
1: food, I, sh- I should have known. We could have went to the Leaky Nip.
4: Is there really a thing called the Leaky Nip? Why has not I? That happens it. to Why some of you? us sometimes, <laughs> <laughs>
2: right? That's just, that's just the spot.
4: <laughs> on the way there, on the way to the scrapyard, I'd like to take Ruffy aside for a second. Ruffy.
0: Oy. I think so we are busy buying like bar yeah. nuts. Like they're they're like going yeah, well, through all the good stuff and looking for like the the stuff that's been sitting like in the back of the shelf for like a few weeks too long. And Actually, thinking it about
2: it, it, on top of that, uh, specifically pickles, I am pickle. slowly bringing the goblin lore in the back of my brain is slowly booting up. Okay. Like yeah. pickles,
0: important. Yeah. There's a big old like sort of pickle barrel. that They can throw <laughs>
2: It's
0: like pickled one, anything. One, one copper per pickle.
2: Boy. I have so many pickles Boy, what's yeah. the crack, Hundreds. <laughs> Remember
4: when we went to that uh, to that fair before you, Kojak and I and then wanted us uh-huh. to take a photo
1: Right, yeah, I so told you I really didn't want to take a picture
4: I know, I tried to talk him out of it but you know, Kojak um, so when Ambrose came in he saw the picture and it was re- the reason why I'm bringing this up to you is because he took notice of it. And when he took notice of it, he took notice of, he, he, he asked about you. I didn't Did say you know. anything. Yeah, I didn't say anything. I say you were someone. I mean, is there anything I should know?
1: Just I mean, before or after? He said he stole your he, work.
4: He, he tried to steal Wybert from me. He tried to buy him. He tried to buy Wybert from me.
1: Was that after or before the picture?
4: It was. So he asked me about Wybert first, and then he was walking around my office, and then he saw the picture. Right. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I didn't say anything. I said, You were someone. And then he asked me on a date. I didn't say yes. But he offered, because I asked if I could get a carriage.
1: Of course I would. And
4: he said, and when I asked if I could get a carriage, he said that he could. I've never had a carriage before. So I said, yes. And then he fucking had me in prison. What?
1: Listen to me very carefully. I know. I know you like your carriages. I know you like your fun. And we've had a bit a bit of it on our jobs, and uh, you've had a very good life with Kojak, yeah? Yeah. The world that Ambrose Muglin lives in is a different world than yours. There is no fun. There is no good times. There is no fancy carriages that don't come at a price. It's a dangerous man. I don't want you to take him lightly.
4: Okay. I mean, I'm taking your word for for it, but I, when you're comfortable, because it was really weird when he took notice of you in the picture.
1: You remember how I came to you and Kojak?
4: Yeah, we found you at this scrapyard, oddly enough. Nearly dead. Hmm.
1: I told you that I worked for dangerous people. Ambrose Muglin might be the most dangerous person I know.
4: Hmm. Wait, hang on a second. So just because I said no, do you think he's gonna come after... He's not that petty, is he? I mean vain, narcissistic, me- uh, megalomaniac, sure, but petty.
1: <laughs> I don't know if petty's the right word vindictive
4: ruthless mm-hmm.
1: a man that does not take no the word no any circumstance Oh
4: I you know bringing this conversation up I really feel like I fucked up not just for me but
1: no told Kojak I didn't want to take that fucking picture
4: wait 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 so do you still live with Kojak
1: no I've uh, I've managed to sneak in and see him a few times yeah. but he's being watched Annie 24 7 by the shield marshals
4: what? he wouldn't even be able to do his job if he's being watched by the shield marshals
1: They know everything there is to know about you, about him, and about me.
4: Wait, hang on a second. Have you been looking out for her? For her?
1: I kept my eye out, don't you worry. She's safe.
4: Alright. She's never been touched.
1: I mean, not that she didn't want.
4: I mean, you know what I'm talking about, Ravi.
1: Right, no. I don't think, uh... Either they don't care, or they haven't made that much of a connection yet.
4: Alright, good. That's good. That's the best news I'm getting from this so far. Alright, so, Ambrose.
1: I, I know you want to see Kojak, but that might not be the best idea right now.
4: I mean, what else could I do? Rob a bank. Mm. All right. Have you bought have you bought your pickles yet, Saruk?
2: Just carrying barrels of <laughs> oh, <God>. whatever food, <laughs> old spoiled bar
0: pickles.
3: We're a pretty straight-laced guy.
2: You eat like shit. This isn't for <laughs> me. This is for the goblins, particularly their chieftain. Oh. If you, if I know one thing about humanoids, it's that if you give them food, especially here, it tends to smooth things over. If I know one thing about goblin tribes, it's that we're walking into turf that is owned by them, so if we make an overture, something along the lines of, I don't know, hail mighty chieftain, may this, no offense, help you slay dogs and horses and other cultural things that are relevant to this particular tribe, and then give them a shitload of food, it will probably grease a lot of wheels for us. Well I- I'm gonna let you do all the talking. Of course.
1: Ah, it's not a bad idea, Tusks, you've got I would have just pulled my gun.
2: I'm not going to take the easy bait.
4: So oh think- by the way. Yeah, um ahead. if we before we meet the goblins, I'm gonna step back with Wybert I don't want them scavenging Wybert. I mean, I'm not judging them, but I feel that they have an affinity for technological stuff. And Wybert's pretty technologically
2: advanced. Again, the point of feeding them is should we end up having to run back to the scrapyard, bleeding, bruised, or whatever happens to Wybert, they don't decide to take their chances with us. Thank
4: you. You were saying something?
3: No, I was just going to say, I'm going to take a little bit of a look around once... Uh, once uh, Greeny here is having this conversation with these people, uh, don't get too startled, but it might look a little different.
2: So I feel like I need to stress that most goblins, I never mind. I trust you. Okay,
3: you can see in the dark, right? Yeah. And you, Anita? No. Oh. Why well, we can? Oh, All right, he can just tell you. Uh, and you, uh, you'll see in the dark.
1: I get by. All right. But uh, in the in the meantime, in the bar, Olive ordered another coffee, something sweet,
0: and a glass of grease. Okay. Look, if you're now at this point, you'd be paying for your own drink. So I can look up the cost of the the glass of grease if you'd like. Coffee's probably on the house.
2: Mm-hmm. I wanted uh, to ask if it was a glass of the grease drink or just literally like one no, no, cup no, of I, motor oil, please.
1: No, I'm not asking for uh, the greaser shop The gear
0: greaser, which is six no, copper.
1: I'm asking for kitchen grease.
0: Literal kitchen grease. Okay. Right. Uh, Ooh, the bacon huh. grease, my friend you're looking for like the leftover stuff of the night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, uh, a Fasir Terse is like dwarven person that kind of works to the bar and you ask for grease and they go to get you the grease drink, right? The, the gear greaser.
1: the God, no, it's after eight. I'm not touching that stuff. Just coffee. But yeah, <laughs> kitchen grease.
0: Right. And they kind of look a little confused and then disappear back into the kitchen and bring out what is like a tin... Of just the leftover meat drippings for the day, right? That kind of has been like slopped into this little tin can. And they're willing to part with it for uh, three copper. Done. Do
1: they, ha- do they have yes. any desserts, by the way?
0: Uh, they do. They offer, uh, she pulls, or like they kind of go under the, the desk and pull up what looked like a loaf of spice cake. And they're currently selling slices of that.
1: Uh, I was hoping for some candy, but uh, that'll do. So, three copper.
0: The spice cake costs five copper per slice. All right, so eight copper. I'll give you Eight them copper. Silver. Okay. They take the silver. Oh, I'd
4: like they... to steal like, a salt shaker before heading out of the bar, too. What uh, do you all need with a salt shaker and bacon? Cream? It's make just a fee for each Got it. Secret?
0: <laughs> you can make this public. That's fine.
4: I'll try. I'll attempt to.
0: Basically, there's only one person on oh. a natural
4: twenty. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, let's you see managed- those
0: crits in chat. Yeah, Chris and chat. Oh, our crit email's not working right now. Oh, yeah, the the, the animated one works. Yeah, use the animated crits and chat. Uh, so as you as you look it over, right, um, you are able to under the watchful eye of Phoebe and Phos. Pho, I don't know, like uh just palm like one of these things when, and slip it into your bag with no one noticing. At least no one stops you and says anything, and take it with you. Ah.
4: Got a salt shaker.
1: Right, so I'll eat my spice cake down the cup of coffee. And, uh. Oi, Annie. Yeah. Got you a bit of a. Uh... The timer's like one hour's yeah. past already. I, I, this is this is a while we were having a conversation and Saruk was getting his barrels of pickles. pickles. No, no,
0: I need to take you outside. Okay, I guess yeah. you can go outside with your coffee yeah. and spice cake. That's yeah, what...
1: Yeah. This is a flashback at the beginning of that conversation. <laughs>
0: Flashbacks I've, inside a
1: flashback. Yeah. I've got a bit of a, uh, peace offering if I me, and I hold up the tin of grease.
4: Oh! Thank you.
1: I heard old Wybert creaking over there. Figuring.
4: Yeah, I was... Thank you. But yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I punched you.
1: I probably deserved it, and then we go to that whole spiel. <laughs> right
0: yeah so i think i think there's like a crossfade here as you guys is this more of a montage of you guys you have to like go to the edge of the city and like leaving the city to go into this sort of quarantine zone is not common right uh but if there's one person amongst you that knows the ways in and out of the city and knows how to get to these places it's probably Halbrand.
2: I also want to ask, you've said quarantine several times. We shouldn't be concerned, right? We're not walking into the plague quarter. It, it burned down a long time ago,
0: and it was it's heavily raided by by things and giants. And when, when they come to the city and attempt, and attempt to raid it, it's usually the, the Ironside zone that gets hit. Um, but yeah, unlike the civilized part of the city, this is the kind of place where you could definitely get... Attacked by like creatures wandering and off the mana ways. So there's no protections here against that.
2: Gotcha. Okay.
0: So it's not like there's a plague per se. It's just it's burned down and it barely been rebuilt and kind of abandoned by civilized society, which is where Ambrose has opened his uh, his little money laundering bank. As you do, of course. So we we kind of have this montage. How do you want to like? Explain to people how you managed to slip in and out and, and lead them to this place outside the city? Or maybe only you've been I think
3: to. he would probably uh look back to them and say, Alright, keep to the side and how it almost disappear as he moves into the shadow from place to place. He'd take his bandana and put it over his mouth and pull his hat really low and his uh, gray eyes would turn kinda of a little bit darker in color and he'd get a little bit of hunched over, but nothing, you know other than sneaking and they'd be keep it quiet um at this place i mean it's not like quarantine like there you can't catch a disease well you could probably catch a disease in there sorry, if you got with the wrong people but it's kind of uh, the area of the city that's <laughs> just forgotten left over uh i'm frequently coming in and out of this place when i head out into the man wastes just to go uh and i used to go pick up stuff for Shield marshals. They keep away from this place a little bit, so it's not as well guarded. So, I'm not really sure what we can see, but
0: follow me and we'll make it there. So, this sort of walled off zone I'm showing you guys on the map over on this side, this here is sort of the old Ironside or Ironside as it's called. And this is the sort of zone. There's very little direct access from the city, it's kind of walled off specifically to avoid things getting through. So o- over on this side, this is the iron side. So Hal can ne- oh, definitely know the ways okay. in and out and ways to slip that most people wouldn't. This might have been harder of a challenge in the middle of the night for you guys to do it. But with Hal's expertise, I'm not even going to make any sort of checks or rolls. And there's a montage as you guys slip through these mostly abandoned streets. There's people that live here out of necessity. It's free. It's kind of like squatting in these these ruins and stuff. Uh, definitely, you know, honestly, the thing you got to look for out for most out here is probably not disease as much as, like, tetanus. Right? Stuff is rusted, there's sharp <laughs> edges everywhere. Try not to cut yourself on anything metal, right?
2: Mm-mm. Indeed.
0: And so, uh, we make our way to the area where Phoebe has kind of directed you, and we see you're in the general vicinity of the scrapyard and the uh, the gold tank reserve. So, as we do this sort of scouting mission, uh, how about everyone goes ahead and gives me a there's there's three different checks i can do and if you want to justify another one i'll go with it perception for general looking around scouting visually thievery if you want to use your sort of fee skills to like suss out any sort of approach that might be beneficial and if you have a relevant lore here i will accept that as a role as well this is sort of casing the bank okay
2: I feel like what I'm doing in this moment is finding the nearest goblin and saying, take me to your leader, I brought snacks. So I don't know what you want me to roll for that.
0: Um, diplomacy. That's good. With, uh, with, with the snacks thing, go ahead and take a plus two circumstance bonus. Hell I'm yeah. sure like you that. can give snacks to the goblins, right?
2: That's plus one better than what I would have for the lead. Hokie Modifier, snacks, plus two circumstances,
0: and yeah, that's a good one. And then uh, everyone else, if you guys want to make rolls in parallel, that's fine too, because you guys are all on this sort of activity together.
4: Okay, where are we? We're at the scrapyard first.
0: You're at the, the scrapyard is just down the street from the bank, so they're both like in the same neighborhood. So you're out in that kind of old iron sized quarter
2: i feel like well, i gotta use my hero point yeah we're just really the only rules that i've made today just we burn it thanks that one's just from you
0: yep so uh this is the gm hero point uh so yeah uh 12 not gonna do much it. better oh, uh, 25. 30. that's about 25. so using the food looking for like random goblins and, and like you feed and as you start feeding you start noticing more and more people come out kids families you know people living on the fringes of society kind of come out when they hear there's like food being given out immediately they, they kind of get what you're talking about and they will 100% set up a meeting with you. It's not their leader, you know, they're clanless. They kind of live here in the families, but there is a clan called the Nail Gobblers that they know of that you ask about. They will 100% set up an introduction and take you exactly where they are and and really allow you to uh, to meet them if that's what you'd like
2: to do. Yeah, those decks specifically were to find goblins to meet the Nail Goblin exactly. chieftain.
0: So yeah, yep. exactly. And, and, and 100% they will do that. And they tell you that... Um, the leader would have a name Lord Glass alright Rufficule.
1: I rolled a thievery check and got a natural 20 for 27 and I'm just looking pretty much casing looking for entry exits vantage points good places to kind of you know maybe patrols where people are more populated coming and going that whole thing
0: so I'm going to give you two pieces of information with this crit Firstly, the temple itself is an old temple of Abadar. The bank literally is converted from a temple to this, and looking at it, it looks like they've basically put very minimal effort into upgrading anything other than the security. There's heavy doors, locks, etc. Windows are barred over, so there's no getting in the windows. Um, But each door seems to be a fairly simple locking mechanism that could be picked pretty easily given the chance and, and space to work the the they are what's called like simple logs and i think you would probably know the thievery check to do such a thing would be like a dc 20 level thievery check not easy but not impossible uh secondly there are currently inside the bank through the windows you see three clockwork handlers p- actively patrolling the inside of this bank they're moving around in kind of set patterns, and they kind of go for a little bit, and they'll stop, and you watch as their chest sort of opens, and this burning torch appears, and it does like a 360-degree spin around the room before it kind of closes itself back up and continues on. And three of these machines are inside the bank right now at night doing this patrol, and there's one more out front by the door. Great. Right.
1: Annie. Oh, yeah. We got about four of those ABCDs, one, two, three, four, fives, or whatever. Yeah.
4: So four all inside, or...?
1: Ah, uh, three inside patrolling, one outside.
4: Alright, just the perimeter of the uh, to the temple, which is the front door, the back door.
1: One out front, and then three inside patrolling. That I can see through the Alright.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think with that roll with with the two pieces of information I gave you you weren't able to really check the back yet you got those pieces, two pieces of information it would take somebody else spending some time to maybe get a, a view of the back of the place
3: I'd but, like to uh, slink around
0: I knew that of course. are you doing a perception check with Al? yep okay, go ahead and make that perception check and you guys can see what else you learned
1: Annie, Tuss told you that those things had ropes in their chest, right?
4: yeah Oh, so not only that they also have sirens so I'm assuming you said it so based on what yeah, you said yeah. earlier about the, the raid the radar um, if they get a hold of someone or something that isn't supposed to be there uh, they'll stop blaring out their sirens right. and then it will kind of like hogtie us until the shield marshals come in
1: I saw these ones with flamethrowers in their chest what? yeah and then we- real quick <laughs> to talk
0: about this because this is the first time it's come up this campaign which is you read rolled a secret roll and you said i want to re-roll it if, it if it's bad with my hero point what i learned is there's actually a like feat in pathfinder that reveals secret roles to let you know if you want to spend a hero point or not
4: what like really? it's, it's like a
0: thing built into the system uh, which means so... you, you can't know by default not really so Damn. i will say I, i'll tell you that You're going to get some information. If you'd like to re-roll it, that's up to you.
4: (laughs) Damn. (laughs) It's like you can
2: certainly try. It's Schrodinger's dice roll. No, I'm I'm, I'm good.
0: Yeah. So you notice the back of the bank is like an overgrown yard that maybe once had a vegetable garden, but it's long in disarray. It's just dried dead plants, Uh, just weeds and dried leaves now. Uh, but there are some sort of housing buildings not too far from the back that kind of overlook this and Mm -hmm. you see some fires in the night as you're out here and people that are clearly trying to stay warm and probably have eyes on you so if you're back here and you're subtle without making too much noise you're probably okay but if you make anything that draws too much noise you might draw some unwanted attention but the back looks clear from any sort of patrols and there is this sort of Door mark "Staff Only" right in the back of the bank.
3: I'm definitely slinking around. Huh? Hopefully they won't see me. And uh, once
0: I get the lay of the land, I'll head back towards the group. Yeah. Nobody comes like you, from what it looks like. It doesn't look like anyone has maybe necessarily seen you. It's just if you guys go back here as a group and make too much noise, there might be some unwanted attention that comes your way. All right, that brings us to Anita, who hasn't contributed to the sort of scouting yet.
4: I would like to get in the middle and then, because I'm not sure if, so I'd like to see if I could figure out a path from the bank all the way to the sewers or the scrapyard that would be like the most hidden in the event that we are being chased. So what would be the most hidden? So perception check?
0: Yeah, you can go ahead and give me a perception check and then I'll tell you what you, uh...
4: Secret, yeah? Blind?
0: Yes. A secret, or yeah, probably secret. I guess it's fine. Like,
4: I mean, I, didn't. <laughs> I okay. did it. I did it fine.
0: Well, yeah. that's fine. I'm gonna reveal it because you hit another natural twenty. Uh, oh! So Kristen shot on that one. So uh, the gold Reserve so is so good
2: at Pathfinder,
0: right? It's definitely a quiet neighborhood where most of the stuff is abandoned. Um, anything in the front of the bank's not gonna draw any sort of attention. And as you sort of like map the right, the route, um, you're pretty sure that with just like literally out the back door, down an alley, turn left once, and then turn right at the first like sort of alleyway, would be the d- most direct route to this sort of scrap works yard. And you can see what appears to be a junkyard where the walls are like, you know, 20 feet high piled with just scrap and, and sharp things. And very obviously sort of a, a goblin sitting in a like a homemade tower with like a gun sort of standing there just watching the outside. And I oh. think it's really close, right? It's really close. And you've you've mapped the fastest route. So if you were being chased, you could definitely get there fast. But I think you see at that point maybe Saruk being led by a couple of goblins towards the
2: entrance of this place. And if I see anything wanna... I'll waver to follow.
4: Oh, hang on a second, Ruffy. Uh, why I'm gonna leave Waiba with you. I just have to go to Saruk real quick. I think he's in danger. <laughs>
1: Right, you smell great, Vipers.
4: <laughs> it <laughs> smells like bacon. Saruk!
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, mm. so you want to you want to go to this sort of scrapyard, and uh, it looks like Saruk's being led by this goblin, and he's carrying the jar of pickles, barrel of pickles, into the great the scrapyard. Keep saying graveyard.
2: I'd be right, <laughs> I probably just like follow behind and carry the okay. barrel. Yeah, I carry the barrel like low enough down such that either goblin could just grab, pull, pickle, eat, pickle. Yeah. Alright,
4: so there's a goblin with a weapon just pointed towards you. Or whoever's gonna get close to them. So, I presume yeah.
2: it's just somebody on the watchtower who's making sure people who aren't being yeah, so, led by allies in.
4: I mean, what if this is a setup? We've all been set
2: up re- recently. Fair. No, I'll
4: just I, go with
2: you. The... As we're moving, I don't know if I've been introduced to either of these goblins who I am walking with. I'll just, hey, is this a setup? This isn't a setup, right? Guys. Why don't you guys go ahead and make, or
0: I mean, you can both do it, or definitely at least make a secret sense motive check, which would be you know a perception against any possible deception they might be throwing at you. I secret
4: speak uh, goblin if they're goblins. yeah. So, can I, does that give me a Circumstance bonus? I'm oh, like, speak are you talking goblin? shit? But in well, goblin, it gives you,
0: yeah. it allows you not to take a minus four penalty to sense motive if you speak the okay. language. Assuming
2: they're speaking That's... Goblin. We'll it depends, over. yeah.
0: Are, are, is Saruk speaking Goblin to them or Common?
2: No, uh, Saruk is speaking Goblin.
0: Okay, th- then they speak Common. I guess you could get a possible bonus for speaking the same language. I, you know what? Honestly, that makes sense, right? If the, But they're speaking Common right now, so. Uh, Saruk, you don't believe they're setting you up whatsoever. And something about their body language, Anita, you're fairly suspicious. But yeah, you're you're absolutely convinced that, yes, they are 100% on the level. And uh, potential allies, as a matter of fact.
4: <laughs> but I'm suspicious.
0: <laughs> sure, but you, you might be suspicious. But like in this moment, when you try to sense if there's anything deceptive, You get a good feeling about this.
4: I have a really good feeling about them.
2: I say in orcish, it's a Saruk. And then back, in the absolute worst case, if it goes bad, we can get out of here easy enough. Mm. Just drop the pickles and run. They'll take the easy loot.
0: So these two goblins are kind of leading you in. The guy is in the watchtower, kind of like holding the gun and looks at you, and the two goblins sort of like, Oi! We're here to see Lord Glass! And, and, uh, he, uh, he nods and sort of weighs them in and the two goblins are able to, you guys are able to cross the threshold into the graveyard and, uh, the question is, do you go with them, right? They look back and you guys are following them in.
2: I do, but not if it's the graveyard. I only go if it's the scrapyard. It's the scrapyard, but
0: like there's this <laughs> weird, like right in the entrance, right the the piles near the entrance are so tall that like Anita gets a little concerned about the structural integrity of this place. And if something goes wrong, it might turn from a scrapyard to a graveyard real fast. Anita,
2: what's that shadowy place? <laughs> we must never oh. go there.
0: When you first no, step I in, no, I
2: don't want to
0: like there's this it's it's dark um and and it's not lit very well it's it's still you know there are some like sort of torch light but you notice off to your right as you come in the main entrance a huge puddle of like some sort of like rusty watery oil spill right in the middle of the graveyard.
2: Man, you going to say graveyard, graveyard for the rest of the session, aren't you?
0: Hey, ah, <laughs> I, I keep saying graveyard. <laughs> And, but they lead you past that, towards, like, a small encampment, and over here there is a small campfire with a bunch of goblins that have made camp, and um, with the proper introduction, you guys are able to meet who refers to himself as Lord Glass. Nice.
1: I'd like to ask something out of out of character, but still in my character's voice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard of something called an eye for an eye? No. <laughs> I'd imagine that they're still seeing a scrawny human and a little grandma.
2: <laughs> That's true. No, I, mean, I, I feel you... like when we got here at this point, <laughs> if these are friends, Saruk would have dropped the pretense. Drop the disguise.
0: Right. Okay, okay, yeah, that is a good point to bring up because you're you're whether or not you're in disguise, right? Rafi kept the uh, the half elf
1: up this entire time. <laughs>
2: okay. It's me and my grandma friend who's suspicious.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, Lord Glass. When you, when you guys show up, it's it's a kind of surprising because he speaks in common. And he's like, Ah, oh, took you long enough. We welcome you to Scrap City and accept your offer of help. And he does like a deep bow standing on this sort of makeshift throne out of like crates. And as th- you can see why they call him Lord Glass, his whole like coat is just shards of different multicolored glass sewn into his jacket. And as the, the sort of campfire catches it, it sparkles and it makes him look pretty cool like and colorful and he bows deeply but the shards of glass almost cause him to lose his balance and he almost falls off the sort of milk crate he's standing on but catches
2: himself he goes to bow just no great chief is that correct great chief you have no need to bow before us I have brought gifts for you This is your house, and I just, I set down all of the junk that I was able to buy. My companions and I, we have something we need to do here tonight. We may need to come back here, and we may need to, I pantomime going under something, into the sewers. I just wanted to make sure you do, well, here we are, and that if a bunch of people go running through your territory, that we mean you no harm.
0: He scratches his head, and, and the goblins are all kind of looking at each other. Why don't you make a, a diplomacy check here with a, your plus two circumstance food bonus. Plus two
2: for snacks. Pickle bonus. <laughs> with the pickle, pickle bonus, bonus, the best of all bonus. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Gotta write snacks in. I really wish I had a third hero point. If anybody, I'm slow rolling so someone could get me one in Twitch. I'm talking. <laughs> for snacks.
0: It's not important enough <laughs> Every, every roll, Saruk needs to hear a hero point.
2: Nah. 13. Snacks. 13. I like them.
0: Uh, yeah,
2: let's see. You know what? I gotta look at his. Could uh... I
4: aid him with my presence?
2: <laughs> I forget how the streetwise mechanic works, actually. Hang on one sec. I guess I'm um, not gathering information so I can use that feed so never mind. So there's a little bit
0: of confusion here, and he says wait, but we already made a promise. Right? You already we already have a deal. What's going on? Hold on. Maybe I don't have all of the information. What are you
2: talking about?
0: (laughs) So he looks at you and he starts speaking to you like you're the stupidest person in the world, like one word at a time in common, right? Like he's like enunciating and doing like like you make gnolls go away. Bye bye. We give you gift. He turns to like a, a whisper goblin and whispers loudly, like I didn't expect mar- smart mercenaries. But did Pogi find ones who can't even remember what we hired him for? And they say that in goblin to the go- to the one next to him.
4: What to Pogi?
0: Did you say that in, in goblin. <laughs> I think that no, was. No, that's me,
4: Nina. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah, Pogi. Really? Did, did Pogi find the ones who we can't who didn't remember why we hired him for? We must find this Pogi. I know. <laughs> Uh, so there's a bit, but a little bit, a bit of visible confusion on Saruk's face here, and and he's like, "What? Didn't Pogi send you?" He switches back to comment. We no. sent our envoy into the city days ago to find mercenaries to take out the gnolls. We thought Pogi no. was so successful, you'd beat him here.
2: Do you need help with something? I, I, we're here on our own business. But should I happen to be, maybe you should just tell me more about what you mean. Uh, well, pickle and I like go to like underhand toss him a pickle
0: yeah he he catches it and like there's eyes on like him from all the things and he's in this position where he has to keep his air, hair air of like superiority but he he uh he does like his goblinness takes over and he just scarfs the pickle right <laughs> Then, I mean, that he, is air
2: of superiority for goblins. True. We don't necessarily then, have to paint them in a certain light. But if he's like, if it's obvious he's trying to like, I must be big. Saruk will like, as he's talking, will, I guess, like go full, like bowing before the chief to feed their ego as much as I am feeding their tummies with pickles.
0: Yeah, they love the pickles, right? Uh, what they basically say is like, there's there's been a pack of gnolls that has moved into the graveyard. Scrapyard here. And uh, they caused so much trouble that they had to, like, block off half of their scrapyard with a big metal sharp sort of box. They blocked the way with, like, an old ship and a big box just to keep them out. But they're still here. And if you want to move through their not graveyard, if you want to move through their scrapyard, like you're asking, you're going to need to take care of the gnolls for them. It's the only way to, to make, like, a clear getaway.
2: I should have bought more gold worth of pickles, clearly. And there's no way around it. We, my associates and I, our business is such that it may be that we need to leave quickly tonight, but could come back later to help. It's not that I wouldn't want to help your most mightiness with any problem you might have. It's just...
0: It's not a time-sensitive thing, per se, right? He's he's willing to wait if he's been dealing with it for a while. Um, They'd rather do a good job than a a bad job, but what he does say is, he's he's interested when you ask about the sort of quick escape.
2: So he, I'm sorry, you said that in the third person, and I didn't track exactly what you meant. So you said you might
0: need to, you said you might have to go tonight, but you said you and your allies might need to make a quick escape is there any other way, right? mm -hmm. So he does motion to like the giant piles of like sharp rusted metal that makes the walls of the place he says you could just you know crawl over but then you're gonna have to deal with the knolls on the other side right but he, want, he, he wants more information about what your plans are like what, what are you guys doing like is there any way they can help you guys to help them
2: I see uh, looking around as we're having this conversation is that sewer entrance somewhere clearly mm-hmm. nearby he says it's in like
0: the back of the scrapyard past where they've built this makeshift barricade where the gnolls have set up their camp.
2: So there's no way to it without... There's no way
0: to it without through going through the gnolls' territory, yeah.
2: Got it. You mm-hmm. know, they
0: can sort of move this barricade for you when you're ready, but it's not gonna be, like... It's not so easy, so to speak.
2: I think with all of that information, Sir, just, like, stands up. Thank you for your time, Great Chief. I will need to speak to my companions, I'm sorry your envoy didn't reach anyone to help you. If we can, we will. And it was just kind of a bow and like walking backwards, bowing as I go, right? And then, like, when I get to Anita, there's the like grab her arm and like pull, like, we need to go. We're going to get I really in Orkish. Don't.
0: Mm -hmm. on on the way out right which is fine Uh, on the way out of the the scrapyard not the graveyard on the way out of the scrapyard you you see again these right near the entrance there's these large towering piles of, of rusted metal like it's like this one tower specifically right near the entrance and just looking at it Anita you're able to piece together that like in an emergency you could collapse this tower of junk right across the front of the entrance and seal it off so if somebody was chasing you, you could put, a, you could find a way to cut you off from the people that was chasing you.
2: We could cast Wall of Tetanus between ourselves and the bad guys. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Wall of Tetanus. So, you know, you you have all this other information that once you're here, it's not as easy as a shot as you might have wished. But if you are being pursued,
4: we can stall them.
0: You could topple here. this tower and mm-hmm. and by yourselves sometime.
4: Do I know exactly how to topple it? Like, is it just by force or do I have to pull something out? Is it a break glass in case of emergency type of thing?
0: It's definitely not the, as easy as just like pull this cord. Uh, it would definitely be a, an active check to make it happen right when you need it to. But your sort of crafting sense is it was built for this purpose. It was built as a way to seal this mm-hmm. scrapyard off. Buy the goblins when they needed it. And so you might be able to work out something with them to help you actually do it or do it yourself. Yeah, we we leave we shift back from the goblin camp in the scrapyard back to Howl and Reficule. About two hours of two hours of the night at this point have gone. We're ten hours away from the deadline.
3: Got it. I come back to Reficuel and I'll be like, alright. So I went back around the corner. There's definitely a door there that says "employees only," but I mean, I, I don't know if uh, Anita and, and Saruk were successful in taking care of whatever the goblins. I mean, hell, I don't know that shit. Um, but there are definitely fires back there. People sitting out at, in the evening. They didn't see me, but if they saw me, they'd probably find, you know, hey, who's in our who's in our neighborhood? And maybe we should link back up with them and say uh, get back. And, Kind of see how that things went.
1: So maybe we don't make that our entrance, save it for an exit. Yeah. Or, or you think I we think should. So. Right. Maybe trying to enter there might make too much noise, but we do have another problem in front. Uh, there's that A, B, C, D, E, F, G's. One of them's out front. Apparently these ones throw fire from their chests. Oh. Well, that's a problem. Right. I mean, fire's usually bad, especially coming out of a chest of a crazy tomahawk on it.
3: I mean, I'd say it's probably worse than a buzz saw, but
1: I'm not sure. Mm. Depends if you're a dog or not, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I have to say, it's quite impressive your uh, your skills getting us here and. Sneaking around I can make I can remain unseen If I wish But disappear entirely That's a rare gift
3: Kind of something I was From where I'm from I mean You just It's innate You just disappear Into the Shadows and darkness It's kind of You move from place to place And if you don't Then well Them damn under Humber dragons Would just sweep down on you And just bite you up
1: Not a skill I th- would have thought From a friend of the law Former friend of the law. I meant what I said.
3: Like, I think you're on the right side of things. I didn't think so before, and I probably gave you kind of a hard time about whatever it is you do, but seeing how they, she, Loveless, shot my friend Dag, he'd spent 40 years here as a shield marshal, uh, just right there in the middle of the warehouse, just bang, pinned it on me. Like, what am I going to say? It's not something you can do, not something I could do, not something I could say. I mean, so I apologize if I took any offense the way I was going about things, but I didn't see this whole place as you saw. You know, you grew up around here, I think that's what you said. So, you know, I'm not from around here, but uh, I I think your upbringing and Maya bringing a relative similar, it's, and it is an eye for an eye, and I think there's strength in numbers, and if we're all on the same page, we can get things done. So, I'll follow your lead.
1: I appreciate that, Hal. <laughs> I do. And I took all no right, offense, Rocky. but, uh, I thought when I thought you were a friend of, uh, Miss Lovelace, well, I don't have any particular love for her You could say I was (laughs) loveless But your eyes seem to be open I think we'll get along